God has two wills. The first will of God is His sovereign will. The sovereign will of God is something that we don't know. It is God's prerogative. So this is based solely um, and independently on His character and on His perfect wisdom. Like when you were born, when you will die. Uh, so all of these things are part of God's sovereign will. And we cannot alter this. We cannot influence this. This is according to God's perfect wisdom. Uh, so we will only know God's sovereign will if it happens to pass. Now when it happens, like for example, uh, uh, I don't know that I will be a doctor someday. So, but when it happened, then I know that it is God's sovereign will for me. I did not know that, that I will be born to my parents, and my parents will raise me up in Manila, and then uh, we'll be settling here in Naga. So I, I, I did not have any idea on this, but it, I know that it is God's sovereign will because it happened. Now, the second will of God is His revealed will. So God wants us to do things or God doesn't want us to do things and He revealed it or He reveals it through His Word. Like the Ten Commandments, for example. Also, so God revealed His will for us. What He wants us to do or what He doesn't want us to do. And so this, this revealed will of God, this is something that we can disobey. Not the sovereign will of God, we cannot do anything uh, it's, it's useless, it's pointless. It will be foolishness if you would ask a fortune teller to, to tell us our future. No? no one knows our future. No one knows what will happen tomorrow, later, the next day. Only God knows. But the revealed will, we can know it. And we have the free will to either obey His will, His revealed will, or disobey it. Now, would you pause with me as, I, as we commit this time to the Lord in prayer? Let's just pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity and for the privilege to gather here as one, as one family, as one church. Thank you for the opportunity that we can freely worship you, that we can hear from you, that we can study your word together. You have said that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from you. And so, Lord, we thank you for the living bread. We thank you for your word. Great shepherd, feed us today. Feed our soul. Feed our spirit. And may we ask that through the power of the Holy Spirit that is working in us and through us, give us the capacity to understand your word and enable us to apply the principles, the lessons that we will learn today. And help us also be able to share this to others, that, this, that the words that we will hear today that comes from you will, will be shared to others. Bless our time together. We commit this to you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 
we go back to our series in the book of Genesis. We are now in Genesis chapter 16. So let me ask the first question, or should you ask yourself this question? Am I a patient person? Now you ask that, that question to yourself. Am I a patient person? Am I patient with my wife? Am I patient with my husband? So if you are a child, the children, am I patient with my parents? <laughs> or if you're the parents, am I patient with my kids? Especially if they're in the toddler stage, you know, in the preschool, school age, or perhaps in the, in the young teen or a teenager, you know, am I patient with them? If you're studying, if you're in school, am I patient with my teachers or in my studies? Am I patient with my co-employees, if you're working. So if you're the boss, am I, patient, am I patient with my employees? If you're an employee, am I patient with my boss? Am I patient with my classmate? As a teacher, am I patient with my students? Am I patient when I'm driving? Or when I'm traveling? Am I patient when I'm lining up, waiting for my turn? Am I patient uh, in life in general? So perhaps the best person to answer this is to the person sitting beside you or, or a person that knows you well. So uh, uh, if you may, ask someone beside you, no, sitting beside you, or later on, ask uh, a very important person in your life and ask that person, am I a patient person? And perhaps they may give light uh, and, and illumine your, 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 yourselves and be able to help you answer this question. Am I a patient person? Really, am I a patient person? Now, clearly the Bible, God wants us to be patient. God wants us to be patient in our relationship. The, the Bible, God wants us to be patient with one another. Uh, but the, the, the question is, why? Why would God want me? To be patient. And better yet, our, our text for today it will give us uh, answers on how we can develop biblical patience. Now, do you think patience is good? Do you think being patient is good? Okay, so let's, let's learn why it is important to be patient and why and how we can develop biblical patience. Now, first, uh, there are two points I'd like to share. The first is that we must be patient no? as we wait on God's sure promise. So we must patiently wait. Next slide, po. On God's sure promise. Richard Hendricks, in, in, you, can, you can search this, Google this, in www.preachingtoday.com, that's second only to suffering, waiting. Waiting may be the greatest teacher and trainer in godliness. To Genesis chapter 16, and Moses, the author of the book of Genesis, will start this way. Uh, verse 1, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Now we know that Sarai was, is Abram's wife. We know that already. And uh, Sarai had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar or Hagar. I like to pronounce it as Hagar. 
Uh, so, uh, remember that in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, God gave a promise, especially for Abraham. God said, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. So God says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. And, of course, uh, the Lord will reveal to him that you will bear a son. And you will have many children, and you will have many grandchildren. And so God gave this promise to Abraham. But Abraham was, well, a little impatient. So that in, 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 in chapter 15, in chapter 15, we have learned uh, that in, in verse 2 that Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? So many years have passed and still I am childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. So he adopted. So out of his impatience, you know, uh, he said, I adopted Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, since you have given me no offspring, you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. So he will be the heir since you have not given me an offspring. And then in, in verse 4, the Lord will affirm and will correct Abram and say, behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir pertaining to Eliezer. He will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. So you will have a son. That was God's promise, and he affirmed this in chapter 15. Now, 10 years or so have passed. Abraham was uh, 85 years old, and his wife Sarai is 75 years old. You know someone... Uh, a lady whose age is 75, perhaps your grandmother or your parents or a sister, you know, someone whose age is 75. Of course, we know that biologically speaking, scientifically speaking, it is difficult for them to conceive. Uh, what more to have a child? Oh, 75 years old. I think uh, most of uh, Asians, most of people would have uh, the ladies would have menopause at around 40 to 45 to 50 years of age. And so for a 75-year-old woman, it will be difficult for her to give birth. And so Sarai realizes, oh no, God's promise is not yet fulfilled. And then he remembers, oh, we acquired a, a maid, an Egyptian maid, Hagar. We acquired her when, when we went to Egypt, remember? And then in verse 2, he says, she says to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. So first, he accuses, she accuses God of preventing her from bearing a child. God has prevented me from bearing a child. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children, not only a child, children through her. And so imagine, no, imagine, uh, put yourself in the shoes of Sarai. You have a husband, 
you're 75 and your husband is 85 and, and uh, God has promised you uh, that you will have children, that you will have at least a child. Huh? And then you realize, oh no, uh, I think uh, the promise was only given to Abraham. No, I remember God talking to Abraham. I remember Abraham telling me that God uh, uh, revealed this to him and not with me. No, so it could be that, 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 that God's will is, is that Abraham will have a child but not with me. Or perhaps uh, Sarah was thinking, I'm 75 years old and it's impossible for me to, to conceive and have a child. And so uh, time is running up. So in desperation, uh, uh, oh no, we need to fulfill uh, God's will. But let me come up with a solution to that. Uh, so let's, let's adapt the, uh, the pagan culture of uh, the, the wife sharing her husband. And so if, if the, the husband and, and the, the, the mistress, the servant, they would have a child, the wife, the original wife, may own the, the child. Now that's, the, that's one of the accepted pagan practice during this time. So let's adopt this. Well, anyway, it's legal and it's culturally okay and acceptable. Now, let's be careful because there are many issues today that are legal and as well as culturally acceptable. But because they are not biblical and they are not moral, we cannot easily adapt them in our lives. Uh, example is pornography. Now, pornography is somehow, well, there's really no uh, law that prohibits you, anyone, to, to be involved in pornography. So it's, it's in, out there in the market. You can easily uh, go to these sites. No? Although it's culturally acceptable, we cannot adapt this because it's not biblical. Premarital sex or sex outside marriage could be, in our present age, be the norm. No, but since it's not biblical, we cannot adapt this in our life. However, at this point, Sarai decided to adapt this cultural, pagan, pagan cultural practice. And so he, she suggests to Abraham, please go in to my maid and perhaps I will obtain children through her. And if you think... If you put your shoes on, on Sarah's shoes, if you're the wife, would you do this? Would you allow your maid? No, she's young and she's pretty. She's an Egyptian and she can do belly dancing and she, we acquired her and, and look, uh, go to her. Take her. She's mine, but I'm giving her yours. And you can, you can have a child or children even with her. Would you do that if you're the wife to a husband? So if you think it's offensive, no? Wow, grabe, I will not do that ever. Look at the reaction of Abraham. Abraham without 
second thoughts. Oh, without, without perhaps a blink of his eyelash. Oh, with a blink of an eye. Perhaps he's saying, uh, sweetheart, I think that is difficult, uh, but I will do it anyway. Okay, anything for you because you told me uh, I trust your wisdom, I, I trust your, your leadership, I trust your suggestion, although it may, uh, it's difficult for me looking at Hagar, oh, oh okay, okay, uh, uh, I'll, I'll do it. So shall we start <laughs> now? And so if you're Abraham, and you're the husband, would you agree to your wife suggesting this? Oh, take her. Oh, I will not be angry. I will even prepare your room and, and serve you and, and clap my, my hands and cheer you and, and encourage you. And so if you're the, if you're the husband, oh, will you? No, no, no really. Uh, in our, in our, in our f- fleshy moment, now, can you say no to this request? Now, please, I'm desperate. And so, next, please. Uh, Ed Dobson, in, in an article uh, titled, Abraham, the Lord will provide, uh, writes that ignoring God, God gave this promise but seems that Sarai said would would realize that this promise is only for you. Perhaps it's not for me. Maybe it's for you. That's why Moses started it with Abraham and Sarai as his wife. But if you ignore God and work our problems on our own sometimes or most of the time, it will end in a bad situation or make a bad situation worse and the consequences can be devastating. The consequence and the consequences may be, can be devastating. And so in verse 3, next slide please. Uh, After Abraham had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Abraham's wife, Sarai, took Hagar and then like a bridge, no? And like a parent endorses her Egyptian maid and gave her to her husband, not only to be a mistress, but to be his wife. Uh, during this time, it is called a wife servant or a servant wife. Uh, and, and if the, the husband and the, the wife servant, they would uh, somehow, uh, the, 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 the wife, uh, I mean, it's not, she's the wife now, she conceives a child, she, she becomes the primary wife, especially in the eyes of the other people. So it will not be Sarai anymore, it will be Hagar now because she's the one who conceived and gave her gave him a child. And so, uh, Sarai tells her husband uh, to commit adultery and polygamy at the same time. So, uh, uh, it, it seems to, to it, it is similar to what happened to Eve and Adam in Genesis chapter 3. When the serpent uh, tempts uh, Eve, and Eve takes this fruit, which will give them the ability to know what is good and evil, and he bites on it, uh, and he gives it to 
Adam. Now, this time, it was Sarai who gives Hagar to Abram. Oh, and so, obviously, Abram uh, is just a man. Oh, you know, I, I was, it was a special request by my wife. Uh, let's, let me ignore God's promise and let me follow my wife. He went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, Hagar, when she saw, oh, that my, my oh, I, 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 my, 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 my menstruation stopped, and my, my, my uterus is growing big and heavy, I think I'm carrying a child. Her mistress, Hagar, was despised. I mean, Sarai was despised in her sight. One man and two uh, uh, ladies, not two women. And so, uh, her mistress, anger. So there was pride. Ah, I'm now promoted. I'm not a servant anymore. I'm a servant wife. And I have conceived a child. And when this is successfully born, I will be promoted as the primary wife. And so I now despise my master, Sarai. And so... Uh, pride came in. No, next, please, in verse 5. Uh, Sarai said to Abraham, May the wrong done me be upon you. Anger. Dati, parang, ano, it's like a traffic signal light. Green, go. Okay, you can go. You can do whatever you want. Now it's like stop. Uh, like a, like a, like a uh, volcano erupting with, with red lava. And I'm so angry. And I resent. And I'm bitter. And I'm mad at you. Remember, you are the husband. You are the, supposed to be the father. You're supposed to be the, the leader of this home. I gave my maid into your arms. But when she saw that she had conceived, look, I was despised in her sight. So, even includes God in the, in, in the, the equation. May the Lord judge between you and me. Who is at fault? Now may God judge you. And me also, but well, I gave it, gave her to you, but it was you who consummated, who agreed eventually. And then in verse six, that Abraham said to Sarai, "Let me wash my hands." I'm only not passive when you when you gave her to me. I am washing my hands right now of guilt and whatever. Behold, your maid is in your power, not to do to her what is good in your sight. And so Sarai. With her anger and bitterness, oh, she treated her harshly. You know the word harshly? I learned that it was also the same word that was used when the Egyptians harshly treated the Israelites when they were slaves. Now, what does this harshly, how, how would this look like? Perhaps I will not let you eat for weeks. I will not eat. Or if ever you will eat, I will put soil on it. Okay, this is your food, no? Uh, you eat it with sand or with uh, the, the droppings of the animals. Or it could be physical. Oh, mistreatment or harsh treatment. But this is a difficult treatment. It was a harsh treatment that it cost her and it cost her to flee and to run away from her master. And so, pride, jealousy, anger, uh, injustice, 
oh, uh, uh, abuse. These were the consequences of what happened. Simply because uh, they were unable to patiently wait on God's sure promise. Next, please. So how did Abraham and Sarai fail? Because it could be also how we can fail. Abraham and Sarai failed when they doubted God and His promise. That is also how we can fail. The moment we doubt God and the moment we doubt His promise, we can also fail. Now, they also failed when, when they made a harsh and, I mean, a hasty uh, decision without consulting God, without seeking, without praying for God's wisdom or guidance. Now, we make many decisions, I know, in our lives, in your business, in your career, in your family, in your relationships. Oh, you, you make numerous decisions. And so, how do we decide on things? Well, sometimes when, when problems come, I experience this as well. My instinct, my default, my natural tendency is to ask myself, what can I do? What can I do to solve, to solve this problem? That's my, that's my default. That's my instinct. So if there's a problem, financial, no, what can we do to solve this problem? No, we, need to, we need to pay a certain uh, bill in the next few days. What can we do? What can I do to solve this problem? That's, my, that's sometimes our instinct to look in ourselves, to, to, to find in ourselves the capacity to solve a particular problem. Now, I don't know with you, but this, this, this text spoke to me clearly that I must consult God first. So instead of, of saying, what can I do to solve this problem? The Word of God, God is saying to me, change your mindset, change your perspective, change your attitude. Instead of asking, what can I do to solve this problem? Why not ask, what does God want me to do? To solve this problem. Instead of asking, what can I do to solve this financial uh, challenge or, or this relational problem or this health issue, what can I do? No? Instead, say or ask, what is it that God wants me, God wants me to do to solve this problem? Next, please. So, Tsarai treated her harshly and she fled from her presence. Sometimes, we react to problems by running away from our problems. Oh, we run away, we, we turn our back, we ignore, we deny that the problem exists. Just like Jonah, he ran away, just like the prodigal son, he ran away. Adam and Eve, they ran away when they realized they committed a sin. We tend to flee. And so she fled from her presence. Next, please. Now, the second uh, point, the second principle that we can apply is to patiently watch God sovereignly perform. Not only to patiently wait for, for God's sure promise, but when God is now acting, when God is now performing, when God is now intervening, when he's, God is now doing His sovereign will, we must still be 
patient at this point. Sometimes God says, wait. Well, sometimes the, the answer would be immediate. But sometimes the answer to the question, Lord, what do you want me to do to solve this problem? Perhaps there may be no immediate answer. And you need to wait on that. But when God already is in the move, is now do, intervening, we can still patiently watch. And so let's look at verse 7. In verse 7, Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur that is going to Egypt, because that's, that's, that's his uh, territory. That's her territory. Verse 8, And then he said, Hagar, uh, the angel of the Lord says to Hagar, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? By the way, this is not a question of ignorance. No, the, the angel of the Lord knows why, knows where she's going, but she was, the, 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 the angel of the Lord was asking this so that, that Hagar will have a chance to confess, to open up, not to say, to, to express, not to verbalize her, her predicament. And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. No reason at all. Now, this is, by the way, the first time in the whole Bible, uh, Genesis is the first book, this is the first time that the angel, next please, of the Lord was used. Angel of the Lord. And so many Bible scholars believe that this is not just an ordinary angel. You know, our idea of an angel is someone who is flying, uh, wearing white robe or with wings, no? and then with a halo. No, the, the, Many Bible scholars believe that this is the pre-incarnate Christ. Now, this, is, this is Christ. This is the Spirit of Christ. And so look at how the angel of the Lord speaks in first person and he speaks with authority. And later on, he, she will call him Lord. And she says to, to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Return to your mistress. Return, go back. Don't just go back. Submit yourself to her authority. By the way, it's not about uh, if, you're, if you're a physically abused wife, you, you go back to your husband. No, it's, it's, it's not about this. No? This is about uh, saying to Hagar, humble yourself and trust in me. Now, I'd like to think, I'd like to think, uh, personally, this is me personally speaking as I, as I meditate on the Word of God. This, this is me. This is, not, this is not inspired. This is not biblical. But for me, I believe, I think that God wants the son, the child of Hagar, to have a father. To have a father. Now imagine if Hagar would, would by herself raise up this child. Versus she would go back to Abram and, and their child would have a father figure. Now, nowadays, I've learned that there are almost 50%, half Almost 50%, especially in the Philippines and in some Asian countries like India, uh, that, that, that many kids are growing without a father. They have a father who is working abroad, but physically, mentally, uh, personally, they're not there. Uh, physical father. That's why if you're a father here today like me, let's continue to invest in our children Oh, I remember the message last Sunday by, by Pastor Ed Sr. that we are to invest in the next generation. So if you're not yet a father, 
or you're not a father, but, but you're a man, you, you can still invest in a child. Find a child. No, find someone that you can disciple, that you can help, that, especially if they don't have a father figure. God wants us to have a physical father. And so the angel of the Lord says to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I, I, not, not God or on behalf, I'm a messenger, uh, this is what the Lord wants, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they too will be too many to count. The same promise that God gave to Abraham. By the way, there, God made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, God doesn't normally or, or usually um, makes a covenant with a woman. But it is one covenant that God makes with a woman. And in verse 11, the angel of the Lord said to her, Further, behold, you are with a child, a prophecy, and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, a command. And because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. Next, please. He will be a wild donkey. He will be free. The, the word wild is something to do with free. He will be free. He will not uh, easily regard laws and rules and regulations. He, he, he will want to do what he wants. He's free. His hand, his, his, his strength, his force, his hand will be against everyone. And everyone's hand will be against him. So there will always be a constant war, a constant uh, friction, a constant disagreement. And so we know that he will live to the east and all of his brothers. And this Ishmael will be the forefather of our brothers, our Arab, who are Arab and, and Muslims. And so there will always be a, a continuous uh, uh, disagreement between the child of Ishmael, the descendants of Ishmael, and the descendants of Isaac, the Israelites. And so this was the consequence. But look... Look, in, in verse 13. And she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God who sees. We have a God who hears. We have a God who sees. She called the name of the Lord. And, and he calls this angel, the spirit of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ, as a God who sees. For she said, have I even remained alive here after seeing him? And in verse 14, Therefore the well was called Bir Lahai Roy. It's between Kadesh and Bered. Uh, uh, Bir Lahai Roy means that the living one. Next please. That the living well, one, the well of the living one. Next please. Is or sees me. The well of God, the living one, sees me and so how did this end did Hagar obey the spirit the angel of the Lord God did she obey God did she go back to Abraham and fulfill and obey the command of the angel of the Lord in verse 15 it ends this way. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. It was Abram. So I believe that Hagar went back, and she tells the story to Abram. I met the Lord. I even made a hmm, covenant 
with, with, with him. And this is what happened. And he wants us, you, to name this son, this child, Ishmael. And so Abraham called their son, his son, Ishmael. Now, Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. Let me conclude by saying that there are sins. Next, please. There are sins that, are, that will have long-lasting consequences. Yeah. So, you, you do this sin in a matter of minutes. Oh, the consequences may be lifetime. The pain, oh, the hurt, the, the, the memories of it, oh, the, it will haunt you, oh, the, 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 the frustration, or yung, yung sana hindi ko nalang ginawa, but here's the hope, brothers and sisters. We have hope. In the midst of sinfulness and oppression, sinfulness with Hagar, with Sarai, with Abraham, in the midst of oppression, particularly with Hagar, God's love, His mercy, and His grace was made available. God Himself pursued Hagar. It's available. This is the hope that we have. We have the, 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 the war going on in Marawi. Now we have an earthquake that our brothers and sisters experience in Leyte. Now some, some of us here are hurting. Some of us here are physically sick, physically tired. You feel oppressed. You are, you are, you are, you are in, a, in, in a difficult situation because of sin. This is the hope that we have. In the midst of sinfulness, in the midst of oppression, God's love, mercy, and His grace is available. And while we are still sinners, God gave His one and only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, and His ultimate expression of His love and His mercy and His grace that we don't deserve because of our sins is to be saved to be freed, to have eternal life, to live, to have a chance to live an abundant life, a changed life, a different kind of life through Jesus Christ. And these brothers and sisters, the reason why we are here today. That's why we celebrate. Now we clap our hands. We, we are joyful. We are not mourning. But to balance it, there are also others who need Jesus in their life or else they will continue to experience the oppression and perhaps they will continue to experience the consequence and the consequences of sin and they're out there dying and perishing but God loves them so much and God loves us so much and gives us this, this responsibility, this great opportunity to be able to share to them God's love. And so how do we do this? Let's say you're, next please, you're in, in a situation, uh, uh, you know your, your patience will be tested. Now what we can do is to pray and ask God for patience. Every day, especially on a Monday, Thursday, and Friday and Saturday, because those are the times that I go to, a, to, to the college, uh, NCF, and teach. 
and meet my students. Some of them are here. And uh, this is the time where my, my, my patients are really tested. And so I, I would always I make it to the point that when I wake up, Lord, give me patience, extra patience and grace today, especially to my students. They will have an exam. And every time they would have an exam, I, uh, I did already many things so that they will not be tempted to copy and cheat. And, and, and I did many things and, and still they're nakakalusot pa rin sila. And so, Lord, give me patience with them. And, oh, especially with my, with my children. No, Lord, uh, give me patience. Uh, they're, they're unruly right now. They're cranky. They're all crying. They're shouting. They're, Pray and ask God for patience. And when you're driving, Lord, give me patience uh, to drive, uh, to follow the rule 60 kilometers per hour or 20 kilometers per hour. Uh, that's the only way we ask God for something that we don't have. So if you don't have patience, ask Him. Next, believe that God sees our suffering. God is a God who sees. God sees our suffering and He can powerfully help us during difficult situations. He helped Hagar in a difficult situation. He helps so many people in a difficult situation. Believe that God sees our suffering and He can powerfully deliver us from these situations. Third, C, check a friend's advice. So you ask a friend's advice, uh, she or she gave you a counsel. Oh, it sounds good, sounds wise. But check it first if it's against the word of God or if it's according to the will of God. So make sure you know, that uh, when you, you, you ask for an advice, it is, it is, it is aligned to the, the will of God. And if you're the one who's been asked to give an advice, make sure that it's also aligned to the will of God. So the best way to be able to do this is to know the will of God, to read God's word. So that whenever we give an advice, or whenever we receive an advice, we take an advice, we check it if it's according to God's will. And fourth, don't rush now don't rush. No? Exercise the stop, look, and listen principle. So you're in a, you're a debt, you're a problem, you're in a situation, you're, you're angry, you're, you're, there's a fight. No? Uh, uh, don't rush. Don't rush to text. Don't rush to say words that may hurt. Don't rush to, to go to social media uh, and publish and rant your, your anger and, and show the world you're angry. Don't rush. Stop, look, and listen. Listen. And then and, and develop biblical meditation, silence, and solitude. So you evaluate. If I do this, will it, will it make a, a positive impact or not? No, you think it will not. So, so, okay, I will not do this. Okay, thank you, Lord. And, and so you, you don't rush on it. We need to be patient. God promised that Jesus will return. Jesus will come back. No, but he's not yet returned. Where is Jesus? I, I need him right now. Some are praying, Lord, please come back now. And when God is in the move, God is working, God is intervening, we must also patiently watch things 
events unfold. Brothers and sisters, I'm excited that if we really pray for patience and develop biblical patience, imagine our community, imagine our church, imagine our families, imagine our world if we apply biblical patience. Let me bow down in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, our triune God, who is present not only in the past, not only here, but also in the future. A God who hears and sees everything all at the same time. Lord, I don't know my brothers and sisters who are here today. I don't know their personal situations, but I'm thankful that you are a God who knows them. And you are a God who sees them. And you are a God who can intervene in their situations, in their issues, even today. Thank you because your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And that you have revealed these things not to frustrate us, not to, not to harm us, but to grow our faith, to seek you, to desire you, and to love you more. I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here today. Perhaps they are representing loved ones, friends, and families who are in the bondage of sin and the bondage of oppression. Lord, I pray that you will reach out to them in your personal, special way according to your will. And I pray, Lord, in behalf of my brothers and sisters that you break the bondage of sin in their lives and you lift them up from their difficult situation whatever situation they're in right now but in the process Lord allow us to continue to wait on you to grow our faith on you and to look upon you, not on ourselves, but on what you want us to do according to your will. So bless my brothers and sisters, their businesses, their families, their work, whatever they're doing, Lord, I pray that we will do these things not for ourselves, but for your glory alone. And as we go out from this place, dismiss us with your blessing. And in the midst of sinfulness and oppression, we have Jesus Christ, your Son, our hope, who is victorious, who is won over death and over sin. Allow us, Lord, to, to draw near to you on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis. 
and allow to experience the peace, the joy, the satisfaction that you have in store according to your will to those who obey. This is our prayer with gratitude, with faith, and with humility through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. God bless us all.